Hey, look at that. It's veteran journalist Charlie Meyerson in my car. Veteran is just a nice way of saying old. I appreciate it. You're seasoned. Yeah. Well-traveled. Uh, the other one I hear a lot is legendary, and actually I prefer mythical. I, I've heard the word legend abused and misused so often. If you've done anything for longer than two years, suddenly you're a legend. There need to be actual legends about you. Uh-huh. There exactly. Need, you, there need to be you know stories that are told that aren't true, and they need to be good. I mean... That's the point of a legend. So yeah, if I'm if I'm on mic, then it's hard to get both of us in. So we're we're actually recording now. We're, we're and, <laughs> and we're broadcasting live this to, is, to this Facebook. Is live on Facebook. Hi, Facebook. Uh, we're on Facebook Live. It is Carcone Carne, sponsored by Boost Mobile. Charlie Meyerson is, a, like I said, a journalist. He is a journalist's journalist. No, no, there are actual journalists who are journalist journalists. I'm. I'm just a guy who watches stuff that goes on and tries to let other people know about stuff that goes Everything on. Everything I know about news, I learned from you and Steve Scott. Steve knows more than I do. Steve I has forgotten more than I will know. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. So we are at Submarine Tenders, your recommendation. Uh, we're in Park Forest? Uh, we're in, uh, no, Park Forest is south. This is Forest Park. Forest Park. It's easy to, it's easy to get the two confused. Right. Uh, this place is hopping. It has the most dangerous parking lot in the entire area because it's one of those, you have to pull in one way and they're diagonal spots, but everyone pulls in at the alley and there, there are conflicts and then people try to back into the spots. It's, it's harrowing. But it's... It's brilliant in that the name of the place is Submarine Tender, which I don't know if everyone, I, I doubt many people who come here know that Submarine Tender, that's a job on a submarine, is to be a submarine tender. I had no idea. And yet, I think one of the one of the selling points of sub-tea, as those in the know call it, is that their bread is very tender. So I think most people come here and think it's just a tender submarine. If I were to describe the food in a word, delicious. Uh, so what did you get? You got you got something very bland. That's and that's the kind of that, that I am. Yeah. I'm that's my brand. You know, I was I was raised a, a feral child. Uh, <laughs> my mom died when I was almost fifteen, but fourteen in other words. And um, so I was. I, I would think in modern terms, I was a latchkey kid, mm -hmm. um, as were my sisters. And so there's so much oil on this. I. Yeah, this I, is a problem. I ask for mine with just lettuce, pickle, and tomato. So you know, I'm one of these guys. That who, was a pro move. I, I was a rookie. Well, you know, the oil. Actually, some people the, like no, the oil. This is mine. Roast beef and ham. Yeah. God knows what. So you know, I'm just one of these people who eats so that I can get back to reading comic books or watching TV or, or whatever. It eats to live. You Everyone else in my family falls into the category of lives to eat. Now this was calling to me. This is the butter and garlic French fries. The smell. The smell is undeniable. Would you partake? Uh, no, I think I'll pass because. Are you going to? I the got whole, the generic. You're going to be healthy, right? Lay's classic potato chips. I don't know if classic potato chips are healthy or not, but healthier than seemed, this. It seems slightly more healthy, so it's my small compromise. These are ridiculous, and this is just a potato chip. Uh, can you hold up a prop that you brought in the car for real? If you stick around long enough, watching this Facebook Live, veteran journalist Charlie Meyerson of Chicago Public Square is going to flute for us. Or flout. <laughs> or flout. I don't, I don't know, but there's an actual flute in the car. We, we, we broke the flute barrier tonight. This is not a, this is not a metaphor. Mm. <laughs> but so uh, much what you hear, what you hear tonight will be. 
All right, so let's talk about journalism. All right. Will the Internet or the current political climate kill journalism as we know it? Oh, I think the current political climate, well, the climate is great for journalism. Whether the current political administration is good for journalism is another question. Well, um, I, I wanted to have you on because journalism's under siege. Yeah, kind of, but it's also ascendant. This is why I got into the business, though, and I think that's true of a lot of people, certainly of a certain age. I mean, you know, I graduated from high school in the midst of the Watergate scandal, and I remember going in, actually, you know, making a pitch for a scholarship that my high school offered um, that I didn't get, partly because I said I was going to major in journalism, and the people who were making the decision on, on the scholarships were... I'm guessing because this is a you know high school stereotype that I would have made at the time that they were you know old school Republicans and I remember being asked why do you want to be a journalist they're just trying to bring down the White House because journalism was at the time making life very difficult for then President Nixon right and I if I if I remember correctly and I may well not I probably answered you know journalists are there to make sure that government does the right thing or something like that. And, um, you know, it was in that environment that I and a lot of people said, oh, I want to be a journalist because I want to I want to right wrongs and I want to hold, uh, you know, I want to, uh, as they say, uh, uh, afflict the comfortable. Um, <laughs> journalists that. afflict the, comf- the, the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Um, and I, you know, I want to be part of that effort to make sure that government in particular does the right thing. So this is the kind of political environment that inspired me to become a journalist in the first place. What I've noticed about true journalists, yourself, I, I think of my friend Jim DeRogatis, there is that that lack of concern for the personal safety, for the personal well-being in favor of the higher calling of journalism. I mean, Jim was willing to go to jail over the R. Kelly thing. I mean, there is that kind of fearlessness and commitment that I, I think requires a certain kind of chemical makeup or wiring. Maybe. I can't claim to have that. I mean, that's why I am not a journalist journalist. Um, <laughs> nice callback. And yet, there's part of me that, well, you know, I've got a family to, to, to worry about and, and you know, and, and to be concerned about. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do anything rash, rash, but there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, if I were threatened with jail for, for doing my job, that would be kind of cool, to a point. <laughs> um, that said, early on, I mean, and, and really with no justification for ever expecting that I'd need it, one of the first things I did when I became a, you know, a radio journalist in Chicago was to take my name out of the phone book, back when you can do that. Yeah. Um, now it's, it's not hard to find. Uh, to backtrack. Some Charlie Myerson resume stats. I mentioned Chicago Public Public Square, which is your current media uh, endeavor. Uh, but I first came to know you uh, as a listener, hearing you on WXRT. You were a newsman there. I was. Uh, so I guess, quite briefly summarize. Give me your LinkedIn profile for someone who may not know you as well as I do. Can I swallow first? No. Talk. Do you have a sponsorship message you can read or something while I'm swallowing? This podcast is still brought to you by Boost Mobile. Boost Mobile. Get it. Save money. Good. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, briefly, my career, first 20 years or so in radio news. 
um, starting out right out of college, University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, uh, for a couple of years at what was then an AM-FM combination in Aurora, WMRO and WAUR, and then to XRT, uh, a wonderful 10-year run, uh, which I left only reluctantly, but I was offered the news directorship at WNUA, which was a smooth jazz radio station. Everybody all together now, WNUA <laughs> 95.5. And I mentioned that because recently, Ramsey Lewis, who was uh, at mm-hmm. one point the, the morning host on WNUA, gave what he said would be his farewell concert and then weaseled out and said probably won't be my farewell concert, but... Um, this was in Grant Park at Millennium, uh, you know, uh, Millennium Park mm-hmm. uh, at the the band shell there, and the crowd there was wonderfully integrated. The audience for WNUA was integrated in a way that no organization I've ever worked for uh, before or since has been able to um, to draw. Black, white, people of color, people not of color, um, and walking out of Millennium Park, I had a WNUA shirt that is one of many that I still have because I never give away any radio station shirts that I've ever worked at. Um, uh, but uh, uh, a couple of young white dudes, probably 30s, you know, bros, uh, bros, looked at me and said, cool shirt, man. Yeah, cool shirt, man. And then a little bit later, uh, uh, I would say an older, elderly black man said, cool shirt, man. And so WNUA was a, was a really interesting and, and in many ways rewarding experience. But Radio News 1998 was, was drying up, and my job, as many other radio jobs that year were, was eliminated. And I had an option to take another radio job, but instead thought, oh, you know, this Internet thing is looking interesting. So I joined the Chicago Tribune, mm-hmm. which was, at that point, just beginning to figure out what breaking news would look like on the Internet. So I joined a team of, you know, very talented, very impressive, visionary journalists, and you know, up until that point, the Tribune website was largely, well, here's today's paper. Right. And come back tomorrow, and we'll give you tomorrow's paper. So I was, I think, the first or one of the first people to write a breaking news story, you know, the story that happened after the newspaper went to press and it was published on the website. What was it? It was an interview with, I think it was an interview with Dick Durbin. And it wasn't that big a story, but it was something that happened after the paper right. went to press. Um. 11 years with the Tribune and another two years with the Tribune-owned WGN Radio. I went back to radio and was news director there for a couple of years. Um, An interesting couple of years. WGN wasn't quite... We weren't of a mind as to where the station needed to go. Um, And we parted ways. Um, And then, really, I decided to plunge headfirst into the startup world. Doing a little consulting in media content strategy, email, audience engagement, website management for largely journalistic organizations. And got attached to this startup called Rivet Radio, where I was lucky enough to encounter a temporarily, very briefly unemployed James Van Osdell. And uh, that's where you and I met. And uh, And James joined the team as we began to kind of rethink radio news for the, the smartphone era. A friend has called Rivet in its original incarnation. Um, Tinder for radio news. If you like a story... That, that's how we hooked up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've never used Tinder. I'm happily married. I really don't know how Tinder works. I understand it works similar to the Rivet app, which is if you like a story, then you can swipe 
to the right, and then you'll hear the story again. And if you don't like the story, you can swipe left, and then you're on to the next story. Um, Rivet's doing a lot of other things now, and we can talk about that. But um, great, wonderful experience building a wonderful team, much of which is still there. Like a lot of startups, it's mm-hmm. expanded and contracted, but uh, it's been a little more than five years. I think probably about five years since you and I first met face-to-face. Probably. And then uh, Chicago Public Square, uh, which See, I, I remember part-time. I had lunch with you. I, I forgot. Food. Maybe. It's a unifying experience. It is. Uh, but maybe it was two years ago. We, we went to um, Heaven on 7, mm-hmm. and that's when you told me you had this germ of an idea. And you, you, were, you were toying. I think you were just kind of floating it out there to see what kind of feedback I had. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think at the time you positioned it as skim for politics. Yeah. Well, Skim is, I think of as Daywatch for, and Daywatch is the daily email that I did at the Chicago Tribune and did it long before a lot of these other email-based news services originated. Mm-hmm. And um, and I want to give credit to, I mean, it was really me imitating CNET, which early on was doing pioneering work in email news for technology in that case. I tried to apply that same strategy to Chicago News at the Tribune. Other services like Skim have shown up and uh, and, and done a very good job with it. And um, around the time Donald Trump was inaugurated, um, a number of friends came to me and said, there's news everywhere. Look, Charlie, I can't keep track of it. Mm-hmm. And, and one friend in particular, um, in fact, another radio veteran, um, who I won't name out of respect for that person here, said, you know, is anybody doing a daily email news roundup of you know, news in the Trump era? And a number of people were, of course, but no one in particular was doing it for Chicago. And I mm-hmm. thought to myself, because I had some time on my hands, oh, that's something I can do. Well, you've always had an interest and you've known a ton about what, what goes on at City Hall. I think uh, Rahm Emanuel, if you were to ask him, would probably say you're a pain in the ass. I'd be honored if he did. <laughs> He waves to me. I saw him on the street a few months ago, and we were walking opposite directions. He had his security detail, and I was just dressed in shorts or jeans or whatever. And he was on the phone as he walked, but he extended an elbow to me, like to bump elbows as we walked by. So he, I don't think he holds me in great contempt, but if he sees me as having been a pain in the ass, then I will have done my job well. All right, so two years ago, you realize there's, there's an opportunity. Yep. You create this thing, having been in the startup culture, you decide, screw it, I'm going to build something on my own. Mm-hmm. When you started doing it, did you think, oh man, what took me so long? No, I don't think so. I mean, part of it was, um, this has been my advice for years to anybody at any phase of their life, whether it's someone who's just graduated from college or someone who's between jobs, start a blog. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and a blog is a place where you can spotlight whatever it is you do well. If you're a photographer, start a blog and post your best photos there. If you are a podcaster, start a blog and when you have a new podcast, embed it there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a financial analyst, start a blog and comment on financial news you know write a couple of paragraphs every day or every few days or whatever um it's a chance to establish yourself as an expert in your field right. it's a chance to um build a brand for yourself and yeah you may not make money off it but 
it becomes sort of a living portfolio. And as time goes by, as you wind up talking to people about potential other work, you can say, oh, yeah, I wrote about that a couple of months ago. You might want to find that it becomes a library of, of things that you can share with people. So, um, you know, one of the things that, for better or worse, that, that I do, and I, uh, over the course of my career, it's kind of the unifying theme of my career, is I find stuff out and I tell other people about it. I mean, that's what a newscaster <laughs> does, right? And a lot of people have taken in the internet age to using this, this phrase, um, aggregator mm-hmm. um, or curator, which is slightly classier. And I think both of those are kind of bloodless. I, I really like the phrase newscasting because, you know, at least as I've done it and as many people have done it, when you do a radio newscast or a TV newscast, there's an element of personality there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so when I do, when I, I tell people, I try to tell people, some people who ask and some people who don't, that Chicago Public Square is a, is a, is a newscast by email. I, it, the first thing I have to say is I'm not sending you audio, although I have experimented mm-hmm. with that a little bit. But no, it's just, it, it is, it, it almost, if it's done right, it reads like the script to a, a, a very terse but very long radio newscast. Well, and this story a- is here. So-and-so is reporting this. You should know this. You should check this out. So. Well, and you, you inject personality into your headlines and summaries. I try. It comes through. So I, I guess that leads to the next question. So much criticism is, is heaped on the media. Um, claims of bias. Um, efforts to really delegitimize media. Do you, as an observer, see bias in the big traditional organizations, like a CNN or an MSNBC? Yeah, and you know... I'm like a lot of journalists. I'm okay with that. So long as it's disclosed. So long as it's, it's, it's clear what's opinion and what isn't. I was on a panel with some distinguished Chicago journalists the other day. And um, we were talking about... It's a podcast, by the way. You can listen to it. It's a Chicago editorial board members. Google me and Chicago editorial board and you'll, you'll have a chance to hear it. One of, the, one of the points that came up was, oh, we have a very strict wall between opinion and reporting. Reporters do not issue their opinions, do not share their opinions. Uh, if they do, it's, this is my paraphrase, it's basically in secret talking to their editors, but mm-hmm. not to their readers. And I ask this question, um, okay, so you have a reporter who presumably is an expert in what he or she covers, whether it's City Hall or environment or whatever. And over the course of his or her reporting, if they do it long enough, become expert in the matter right and as they develop opinions on who's reliable who's not reliable who's truthful who's a freaking liar those are opinions that they're they're encouraged or in some cases forbidden from sharing with the audience and i think that the world would be a better place if those reporters who are expert were freer to share their conclusions I think they should be labeled as conclusions and, and as, you know, this is our, uh, my opinion, but I think uh, the audience would be well served to know what these experts think. Journalism in the present day, I've got to think, while it, it is noble calling and we're seeing some excellent examples of journalism, if I am a college student, maybe someone you're encouraging to start a blog, it may not seem like there's a real future in it. The traditional avenues to careers don't seem that obvious. 
I think that's true in a lot of fields. First For sure. All, technology too, is changing yeah. everything. Um, and in fact, you know, as, as a sometime college journalism teacher, I can tell you that, you know, at many institutions, journalism enrollment is down. Sure. There have been some reports that at least at some of the, the, the premier journalism schools, enrollment has seen a surge under the Trump administration for, I think, some of the same reasons that attracted a, a generation back, sure. in, back in Nixon's day. Um, I remain upbeat about it for people who are good at this, um, who are good at writing, good at communicating, good at at generating an audience by writing things that people want, or writing, recording, reporting, videoing, photogra- photographing, or photographing, as you might say, <laughs> um, content that people value. Um, and one of the things you know that led me to launch Chicago Public Square is, as much as anything, a demonstration project. Here's what one guy, and it is just one guy, can do. Now, right. yeah, I have some experience doing this over the years, sure. but there's there's really very little that I've done. I got a website. It's on Blogger, which is the oldest and creakiest of the website platforms, but it does what I need it to do. Um, you can do that for free. Uh, I I could have just stopped there, but I I decided to pay the grand sum of I think it's uh, 12 bucks a year to get a Google-issued uh, domain, Chicago mm-hmm. Public Square, so that it doesn't say blogger in the right. web address. But, you know, 12 bucks a year, that's lawn mowing money or babysitting money. And um, and that's basically it. Now, I pay MailChimp to send it out every <laughs> day, and that costs me now, because I've built up the subscriber list, uh, 25 bucks a month. But I get a discount. Twenty-two fifty because I use uh, second uh, item authentication, so they send me a text number. That anyway, so it's 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 cheap to do this, and um, it's not exactly what I'd call a business, but it's not bad. Uh, the the revenue I've been able to generate is enough to to make it a little more than a hobby. And for someone who really is serious about this in ways that I don't have to be at this point. Um, <laughs> There's an opportunity there. I've, I've said for years, you've probably heard me say this, I, when I was at Tribune Company and they were going through round after round of layoffs, they used the phrase right-sizing. Uh-huh. You know, and, and we all kind of hated that phrase, but I've come to believe there actually is real truth in that, uh, in that phrase. In that it just I sounds think so there, cold. It, it does sound cold, but I think there is a right size for news organizations at this point where they can create content, generate revenue either from subscribers or from advertisers or ideally from both and be profitable. It just happens to be smaller than a lot of the big media organizations that have long ruled the roost happen to be and it's bigger than Chicago Public Square but the race is on to see whether the big companies can shrink or the small companies can grow to that right size. So, and Chicago Public Square is growing. So, I don't know how fast it'll grow. I don't know if it'll keep growing. But. Well, I, I think the secret to success really for something like what you're doing or a podcast is just not giving up. I, I think it, it really is consistency in time for it to take hold. I mean, I, I, I think that's why you see so many podcasters start a podcast, then they're gone in six months. They, they just they can't commit to it. it it's no, no immediate return, no obvious return. That goes for metrics or money. Here's the game changer, though, and, and, and Chicago Public Square is, again, I think, demonstrating the concept. I did Chicago Public Square for about a year, a little more than a year, like a year and a month, and then decided to experiment with, in my case, with one of these um, 
fundraising platforms, Memberful in my case, which has been bought by Patreon, yeah. which is another one. And, um, you know, just told the audience, uh, if you like this, if you think it's worth something, subtext, I don't think I've ever explicitly said this, if you don't want me to quit doing it, yeah, kick some bucks in, you know, five bucks a month or 60 bucks a year or more, and I will keep doing it. And to my surprise, actually, a, a non-trivial percentage of my audience is doing that. And as I say, it's brought it up to... I mean, in essence, it's now, it's almost a minimum wage job now. That's great. So and it'll you know, keep growing. As well, long as you keep doing it, it'll yeah, keep growing. That's, and, and I think others can do this. I mean, and others can probably do it better than I have. But the existence of these kinds of platforms transforms things. That wasn't possible 10 years ago. Can we turn the air conditioning down? It's really cold in here. See, I like it cold. But you have a sweatshirt on. Oh, that is true. That is true. Uh, I've got to say, the sub is delicious. I'm trying to eat it in moderation, and I can't. It's hard. It's oily, and the cheese is... its I don't even know. It's that white cheese. It's so so good. For, you know, so for, I notice when you bite, you go off screen. I do. So people don't see you biting, but I'm in the middle of the screen here. You can you can lean right. Like this? Yeah. I might do that next bite. See, here's the cruel, the cruel trick of Carcon Carne. I get to eat a lot because yeah. my guest is always talking. So by the time I'm done eating, my guest is barely cracked into the sandwich. So we'll we'll kind of wrap this up here so I can allow you to eat. I Seems got all night, fair. man. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Well, the place is open until 2 a.m., so I think That's we're right. good. Do you think we, as a, an American culture, are more tribal now? I think we are. I mean, I, it, let me put it this way. I actually think that we're still basically the same country we've always been. I just think we now can see more clearly who we are. Mm-hmm. Thanks, if that's the right word to the internet. Um, you know, I, I don't think people just suddenly became racist, uh, for instance. Mm-hmm. I just think now we know who they are. And it's partly because of the internet. It's partly because President Trump has made it safe for people of good faith to come out of the closet or wherever they were hiding their biases and prejudices. Um I haven't given up hope that that this is, in a sense, a century and a half long fever breaking. That you know that that we never really settled the Civil War in an intellectual sense, um, and we never actually resolved equality of the genders when you know women got the right to vote. Um, I'm hoping that what will happen in the fullness of time and maybe it's you know with the next presidential election maybe it's sooner maybe it's otherwise that as a nation will will kind of awaken and recognize we need to deal with these issues once and for all all right so you brought a flute i did because it's a music podcast i thought you well, might not, want it's some not a music, music podcast what well, did you have music if, how, how many non-musicians have you had on the show hundreds hundreds no i i Having you here is a good thing because I did realize I've had too many music guests lately. I, yeah, I was so on a tear. I'm it now because now I brought some music. I was on a tear. I had like Poydog and the Descendants. Great, and, great musicians. Yeah, we, for, without right. a doubt. This is going to be one of your lowest rated. Podcasts. So, lifelong flute player? Not quite. I was nine when I started. This this very flute, uh, 1964. So, uh, and I looked up the serial number, and it, it is indeed. You know, was made around 1964, so uh, it's about 
54 years of 50 it's vintage four years old i think yeah and not as vintage as i am though so i'm not going to hold you to like a full performance but i wouldn't i wouldn't i can't do a full performance i'm not that good so where are you going to play uh do you have copyright issues here uh, we do on the podcast. The Facebook Live is fine. I can do like eight measures. Yeah. Let's see if I can do this. I should, uh, there's no room for the microphone. Michael have to make Actually, it. we can move the mic away from your mouth. Do the mic right. That's good. I know the song. It's one of those things when you hear a song in a different format, it's hard to place. What is that? Uh, Nights in White Satin. Of course it is. The flute part from Nights in White Satin. Of Not course. done as well, is it? Oh, no, done just as well. Uh, what else? <laughs> Everyone knows this one. Everyone knows it's windy. Uh-huh. That was the one that, you know, as a, as a kid, I used to, uh, you know, put a 45 on the turntable and play it over and over again. Until uh, I got is, it, at it. is it mandatory as a flute player? Do you have to learn some tull? I did learn I, the, the first album that I bought. My sisters bought lots of other albums, but was thick as a brick. Wait a second. I'm not used to playing these cramped quarters. That's close. amazing! Amazing! Close enough. Amazing. Saw Jethro Tull at the USC Pavilion. It was the Under Wraps tour. It was horrible. Ian Anderson, the lead singer of Jethro Tull, uh, came to visit WXRT one time when I was there. Of course he did. And that that uh, was like like Mecca for. It was. And and Bill Cochran, the the production director, was going to be there that evening. And I was working morning drive, so I wasn't there. He said, Could you bring in a flute for him to play? And I did. I brought, I have two flutes. I have this one which is uh, a closed hole flute, a mm-hmm. beginner flute. I have an open hole flute. I brought them both in. All these make me laugh like a 13-year-old, by the way. Open hole. <laughs> closed flute. hole flute. Yeah, closed just, hole. I feel like I'm in junior high school having this conversation. Well, be my guest. Make okay. your jokes. I've heard them all. Um, and, and so Ian Anderson did indeed play my flute. That also sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. um, for a station ID. But I don't know to this day which of my two flutes Ian Anderson So you can never played. get rid of either. No, and I, I wouldn't. I'm one of these guys who doesn't get rid of stuff. It drives my wife nuts. Oh, I, I can see that. So, yeah, I know. I have a lot of those conversations. Do you really need all those comic books? Well. Oh, yeah, no, you, I would need all those comic Yeah, books. you never know if you need to go back into Rom Space Night and pull out issue number 18. You just never. <laughs> Rom Space I used to love Rom Space Night. I have them. I'm not, I don't know if I ever read more than the first or It's based issue. on maybe a Kenner or Hasbro toy. Yeah, Hasbro probably. And they, they built this whole universe around Rom with the dire wraiths. Yeah, and I can't hear it now without thinking of the mayor of Chicago, Rom R-A-H-M Space Night, yeah. yes. All right, so Chicago Public Square is where we can find news, information, stuff we need, stuff, information we need to begin our days. That's how I use it. If you begin your day at 10 o'clock. If you begin it early, then you read yesterday's, which I is I do have musicians who listen and watch, so 10 o'clock is not unreasonable. We're getting flute jokes on Facebook Live. Skin flute, too easy. No, you can't. Yeah, that is too easy. Come on definitely. now. What else do we have here? Uh, Tony says, be careful with Charlie in the car to not crash. That's how he likes to meet women, <laughs> e.g. or i.e. your wife. I met my wife in a traffic accident. Uh-huh. Which is one of the greatest all-time stories. It It's wonderful, and I am so lucky that I met her and that 
we're still married and she puts up with me. But, you know, it's funny to think about, you know, I, I, it was, you know, had, had things been a little bit different, had, a, had my car been moving a little bit faster or I'd been asleep or whatever, it could have been really bad. And it drives me nuts that, you know, is just the circumstances had to be just exactly right that we both walked away without any, you know, serious That's super problems. cool. Yeah. All right. So, Charlie, you are a new sensei to me. Uh, oh, it's been... and you are a podcasting and music and new sensei to me because James, I just want to say James, even though he has chosen not to wear the news hat uh, as much as I think he should, um, when he was doing news at Rivet was great and and uh, award winning. Award winning. Uh, yeah, did you just right? You won the newscast uh, best newscast award, right? Uh, newscast and business. Lissagers, and yes. then uh, the Murrow for newscast. Yeah. So, um, back at you. I got some hardware. As well you should, and don't give it away. Uh, no, well, I don't even own it. I think it's hanging on the wall at Rivet. You can, it's yours when you want it. Okay, good to know. All right, Charlie Meyerson, uh, you're a mensch. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please, by all means, tell a friend, carcoincarney.com. If you like Charlie, if you like news, you like information, chicagopublicsquare.com. If you like the flute, go take a class at Old Town School of Folk Music. And uh, thank you. Should I play us out? Yeah. <laughs> That's enough out of you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>